You guys are going to have to click recording in progress that you're okay with it. All right. As you guys will see every day, um, we're going to have less and less people on the call. So what do we have, like 40 yesterday or more? And now we have 24. So you're going to see engagement drop because that's how everybody rolls on these challenges. Everybody's excited for the first day and then they, uh, they drop off. Make sure you guys mute yourselves and then uh, I'll open it up to Q&A at the end. So you guys had some homework yesterday in regards to uploading. Um, well, not uploading, but you yourself acknowledging, okay, these are some questions that I have in regards to particular things that people say. Like, let's say you struggle when someone says not interested, right? Or when they say, I don't know, um, how many homes have you sold for the realtors? How many homes, right? Or where's your office or any variation of that? Now, I wanted you guys to write that down because it puts it at the forefront of your mind what needs to be worked on, all right? The reason I'm bringing this up to you and I assigned it as homework last night is the very beginning for you, right? I don't care where you're at right now. The more confidence, that's what I wrote there, confidence. The more confidence you have as a cold caller or a person in general, your ability to articulate things, to be in the heat of the moment and have that calm, like I talked about uh, yesterday, where you can access your mind and come up with solutions and, and come up with answers to what people are saying. The key is that you need confidence. Now, how do you get the confidence? The baseline for everybody is first knowing what to say, right? This is why everybody who argues against scripts, um, I kind of go at it with them because even though you may eventually evolve to where you don't need to be 100% scripted, the way that you achieve a baseline confidence level is the script. Why is it the script? It's not the script itself. It's the fact that you now know what to say in any situation. I get in a conversation with somebody. I know how to navigate that conversation. I know how to take it from hello to when's a good time for us to get together. I can navigate through all that to get to an appointment. The reason you have the script is not only to know what to say, but to create a proper infrastructure for a conversation that leads to where it is that you want to go, which is to an appointment or to get their information or whatever it is that you designate as the purpose of a call. Okay. Every time I pick up the phone, every time we talk to somebody, every time we present is with a specific clear outcome that you want, right? You guys have to understand that we're not calling for our help. We're not calling just to call. We're calling to set appointments. We're calling to specifically get information, get a lead, or do something, all right? We're not just calling to call. So when that's established, you're more purposeful, right? You already approach the call differently. Now, when you add and you combine, I know exactly what to say. Okay, you're good. The issue that we run into is when you're new, right? You have the emotions. You have the uncertainty because you haven't done the calls before and all that other stuff. Same thing with the first time you get thrown an objection, like not interested, or where's your office, or how long have you been in the business, or I don't want to sell anymore, or the market sucks, whatever they say. The first time you hear it, I don't care how much you've prepared beforehand, you're not going to respond correctly. This is why I always tell people, forget, oh, well, before I make calls, I'm going to fucking study and role play. Look, role play and practice is not the same as a game. I played basketball from middle school to high school to division one to professionally. And I can tell you, I knew a lot of guys that were great in practice, but under the bright lights, they fucking sucked. Okay. And they would practice a lot, but something didn't click when the, when the game was on the line or, you know, when the ball went up and it was an actual game, they would fall apart. You guys are killing me. Mute yourselves, please. So when you role play all day, when you prepare, when you watch videos, it's not the same as actually making a call. This is why I want to oversaturate everybody here in this with make 500 calls if you're already making calls, or if you're not, increase it by 50%. I want to oversaturate you doing this. That way you have more interactions, right? And I recommend you do this off the challenge too. Don't just make it calls, make it for the next five days or four days that are remaining. Everybody I run into at the gas station, at the store, I'm going to fucking talk to everybody to get those jitters out, to start really becoming comfortable 
being a point of conversation, meaning everywhere you go, you cause conversations and you cause interactions. Whether you realize it or not, right? Maybe not in the context of receiving a phone call initially, everybody on this planet is starving for social interactions, good ones, not awkward ones, good ones. They may be caught off guard at first when you start talking to them, but very quickly they light up. They want to talk. They want to feel important. They want to socialize. That now becomes a story when they go out. Oh, you know, I had this cool interaction with this random person. You know why? Because most people lack not only the interactions, but excitement in their life. So when I call and you do some of these basic things that we discussed too, like all the basic shit you've heard, having energy, right? Being enthusiastic, liking what you do, that injects life and energy into people. And that's what you want, right? So knowing what to say, I just uploaded right before we started this call, the script book. Now, it doesn't matter what script book that you guys choose. I don't give a shit. Whatever script book you want, whatever one that you think is better, grab it. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, you just need to, if you haven't already, the next five days, double down on memorizing exactly what it is that you have to say. Now, in addition to that, right, is going to be these three things that you wrote down up here, right? These little examples that I gave you. Why? Because now it becomes a focal point. You will only be as equipped and as efficient on the phone and in your, act, in your interactions as your weakest link. Guys are killing me, man. Showing up late. Your weakest link will hold you back. So I had you do that as a homework because now, once we're off this call, you're going to, with what you've learned today, start using your mind to come up with additional responses for these questions because I don't have time to go through everybody's, right? We have way too many people on the challenge. Maybe at the end, I'll give a few people uh, the opportunity to bring some up and I can give you some more examples of some things that you can say. But what you want to do is understand where it's coming from. A lot of the responses that I've given over the years, yes, I've learned from people, some of them. Other ones, I've just creatively come up with, all right? Let me give you a mind state you can use before we continue. Whenever you guys are dealing with an objection, okay, take your mind out of sales for a second. Because the moment that you're in an interaction, if you're still thinking that you're there, as you're doing homework like this, like trying to come up with responses, in your mind, especially if you're not high level yet, if you keep thinking in the context of that sales situation, when you're coming up with an answer, you block off a portion of your mind because there's the fear of loss. You'll run whatever your responses are through this filter that's like, well, I can't offend them or I can't say this or I can't do that. And that blocks your creativity. So shut that off for a second as you're doing this and say, okay, if I'm going to approach this first, logically, what are some solutions that I can give? Okay, so as an example, let, let me give you a few and we'll run through them just so you understand where my mind is at as we come up with these, right? So if you're a real estate agent, we know that uh, uh, an objection that has been around forever that still is present today is people will tell you, even though they don't know why, even though they can't explain to you why, they'll tell you, oh, I'm looking for a local you know, neighborhood agent or the local expert, any iteration of that. Okay. And when I used to hear that shit, it would drive me crazy because I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. What do you mean you want the local person? So I took my mind out of that and said, okay, even if I have zero information about this business and how it works, how can I put myself in the shoes of the customer and arrive to the conclusion that I want somebody that's local? So I did two things. I put myself in their shoes and then I started doing research on my industry. And guess what I found out? Okay. What I found is, from doing research back in the day, back in the day, if you worked for, I don't know, Century 21, Colwell Banker or whatever it is, right? And you were in a city, right? I used to live in LA. Let's use LA as an example. If I worked in LA at this office right here, and don't make fun of my drawing skills. I know they're very good. If I worked in this office and I, as a consumer said, I want to sell my house, what would I have to do? I would have to call that office or I would walk in and say, uh, Century 21, me, Brian, I want to sell my home. Now, where people mess up with the history of real estate is for a time, if I took my business to that office, only that office and those agents could sell my home. Okay. Only that office and its agents could sell my home, meaning listing and selling, bringing the buyer. A lot of people don't know that. And that was true. I don't know exactly how long that lasted. But this is obviously pre-internet, pre-MLS and all that stuff. Okay. You had to do that. So 
it would make sense for me to find somebody local, again, before the internet, and a bigger name company. Why? They're more likely to have more agents. And the more agents they have in that one company that's local, I'm increasing, as the homeowner, the odds of my home selling. Ding, ding, ding. Right? So what happens? Even if that stops being the case, that thought and that action gets passed down from generation to generation to generation. Okay? So I'm doing homework that very few people in general, but especially in my industry, will do. This makes me more equipped now when I hear that objection before we even get into a response to know where it's coming from. That's what I want to do. You want to be a master at handling objections, being on the phone. Whatever response comes out of somebody's mouth, understand as much as possible why it's happening. Okay? So pause on that one. We're going to come back to it. I hear something like not interested. 99% of the time when you hear somebody utter not interested, especially in the beginning, it is an unconscious response, meaning they're not actually thinking, saying, oh, he's a realtor. I don't need anything. Okay, I'm not interested. They just blurt that shit out. You know why? You do it. You've heard this before. You go to the store. Can I help you, sir? No, I'm just looking. You don't think when you say that. You just say it. So a lot of times when I hear stuff like this, not interested or any iteration of that, I sidestep it. I say, okay, great. And then I keep talking. And guess what? Most of the time, they continue to engage with me. You're not interested? Got it. And then I present my next question. Well, before I go, boom. My name is Ryan, blah, blah, blah. I do this. Or I say, you know what? I'm not selling anything, sir. Those of you who actually do sell, say this. I'm not, don't worry. I'm not going to sell you anything right now. Write that one down. No worries, sir. I'm not going to sell you anything right now. And then roll right into your script. You guys want an extra powerful one right when you show up for a listing appointment, the realtors or anyone else who sells anything. The moment you show up to the appointment, they come to your office or you show up at their house, say that when you introduce yourself or right when you sit down and you start. Okay, let's get started. By the way, I'm not going to sell you guys anything right now so you can relax. That releases the tension. Okay. But when I say I'm not going to sell you anything right now, that's true. What am I doing? I'm calming that unconscious part of their mind that's throwing the not interested. I'm speaking directly to that. If you want to get into a logical battle in that moment, you're going to lose. Okay. Much of what we navigate in conversations is unconscious and emotional, not logical. The logic comes in later. Okay. We're going to combine everything. But those two things reign supreme, especially in the beginning. Why? You knock on a door, you make a call. Most people, most people, and even you in the beginning, you're going to be more in the fight or flight because you're nervous, right? You're not all there. So you're now going off those motor instinct responses. Now, if we know how to navigate through that as a cold caller, you'll be a master because you're speaking the unspoken language. That's what it is. Okay. So those are just a few responses with the not interested, just to give you guys a taste of some things that you can do. All right. And how me just trying to logically come up with all these responses for not interested isn't important, okay? I'll give you more later, but I just wanted to touch on that. Now, let's go back to the other example of the, the person going in and having to take their listing there and that kind of ratifying why people want the local company that's typically bigger, that has a bigger name, all right? So now, when I get in the interaction with the person, I now understand where they're coming from. However, that also equips me with a higher level potential to handle the objection and crush it. The surface level stuff that we learn, such as someone says that, what's a typical objection handler? Well, Mr. Mr. Client, are you looking for the local agent or the best agent? Okay, now compared to having no response, that's decent. However, however, you're not tearing that objection out from its root. That would be like you get a weed and you only trim the head of it off or the top. If you don't attack the root and rip it out, what's going to happen? The weed is going to continue coming out, which is why some of you maybe who have a little bit more experience, you've thought that you've handled an objection, then later on it comes up again. And you're like, what the hell? I thought we talked about that. What's going on? That means you didn't rip the root out of the weed. Okay. So when I had this better understanding, I can now devise more advanced responses that attack this thought process that they have at the root. This is what I want to do. Now, again, a lot of this, we're not going to do on the initial cold call. You're not going to break out into some five-minute speech at the beginning. 
because a part of this is the R form of giving just enough to continue the conversation and saving your big guns for when you're on the closing phone call, if that's what you do, or when you're at a meeting, okay? You wanna save your big guns. You don't wanna just fire everything and be left with no ammo, which is what most people do. That's called front loading in sales, where you just talk and give everything. Like they say, I want a, I want a local agent, I'm on the phone, and then I go off into some five minute story about this. That would be front loading. I don't have to do it. I could even say something like, you know what? I'm, I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Seller. However, I have a vital piece of information that I can share with you when we meet that's going to tell you where that line of thinking comes from and, and actually how today it can work against you. Would you want to know that? Of course, they're going to say yes. They're going to be like, well, what do you mean? We'll save that for later. Let's first see if we're a good fit for each other and if we should work together. Anyways, right? So what did I do? I just set that up. Now, later lectures and this challenge, I'll break stuff like that down specifically and tell you why I say things a certain way, okay? But you do not want to front load. I want this information so that when I sit with them, number one, I understand the line of thinking. Number two, now in the moment, I don't get thrown off like, uh-oh, what do I say? I know exactly what I need to say. And emotionally, I keep my calm and my poise because I know where it's coming from. Your mind will say, oh, they brought up local agent. I know the answer. No worries. Right? Another thing you can say in that moment, I want a local agent. I'm glad you brought that up, Mr. Client. Do you know why everyone wants the local agent? And they'll say, well, you know, yeah, so the person who knows the area. I mean, beyond it, do you know where all of that started? Do you know where the whole, the whole, because um, it used to be required. I don't know if you knew, you can say that, right? Or you could say, do you know where that line of thinking originated? That's what I'm asking you. And they might tell you yes or no. They say yes, say, okay, great. Where did you hear it? Or what do you know? And let them tell you. I want them to explain. I'm not going to explain. But if they say no, now I can give them a little piece. But what does that do? I just completely reframed the conversation. A lot of these questions and objection handlers, the whole goal, write that down, is to reframe it. Originally, it was, I don't want to talk to you. I want a local agent. And if you're not a local agent, you're not going to win that battle. But by presenting this new information, a new line of questioning, I'm reframing the conversation and putting myself in a position to where now I've uh, dictated, that's the word, the framework of the conversation. Now it's not me handling an objection anymore. It's me educating them on that line of thinking. Now I'm not handling an objection anymore. I'm just having a conversation. And from there, it's easier for me to move forward versus playing over here where it's, I need to fight and handle the objection. Okay, you guys following me? This is, in a sense, if we're gonna look at somebody who doesn't even know the script yet, this can be a little bit more advanced, but it's okay, because I'm gonna sprinkle in a little bit of everything. I don't know who all we have in the group. I don't know the level of proficiency of everybody, but I wanna make sure I'm at least touching different levels at different times so people understand this stuff, okay? Because I see it as a dance and an art form when you're cold calling, right? It's back and forth, back and forth, but I wanna keep it under control. Right? If we're tossing a ball, you want to do it softly. You don't want to get it to where you're fucking throwing it at each other super hard. Because if it's dodgeball, you're going to be out pretty soon. Right. So if we're going to go back for a second to I need to know what to say, that means the scripts or whatever you guys are going to use, the baseline questioning that you would ask to dictate the, uh, dictate the conversation has to be number one. You can say your questions, your questions. Every question that would come out of your mouth in a conversation, you have to know. That's the first line of origin, okay? Number two, you want to memorize and know not only the objections, the common objections in your industry, but also at least one good response for it, okay? Level three would be three to four or more responses for each one okay if you can do that i know my scripts in inside and out i know the objections i'm going to get and they don't change they don't change it's all the same shit right and i have one memorized response for it that's level two now if you get to the other one where you know at least three or four or more right it's infinite how many you can know and later on i'll teach you how to kind of tie different things into it but if you know three or four responses for every objection, you know what objections you're going to get and you know your scripts. If, if we have a sliding scale of confidence, 
one being down here, you can't see it because of the mic, but 10 being like right here where the top of my marker is, you're at least going to be halfway there already. Why? Many of you hesitate to make cold calls and door knock and present and put yourself out there because you don't feel proficient, right? You will never do something that internally you haven't clicked yet and said, I can do this. Now, there's the mindset aspect of it, but there's also the technical aspect of it. And the technical simple part is this, you need to memorize. That just takes time. I get questions, oh, how do you memorize it? You just fucking memorize it. You spend time. Some of you, if you're like me, it's a little bit easier for me to memorize stuff. My memory is more, what do they call it? Photographic or whatever. So I can pick up, pick up on things a little bit quicker. However, when I compared myself as a new agent to everybody else, even with that advantage, I still spent more time memorizing my scripts than anybody else by far. Even if you're going to say, well, naturally that part came easier to, I still put in more work than everybody else. How many of you are actually memorizing your fucking scripts more than an hour a day? I did minimum an hour a day every day, even the days that I didn't work. And I'm talking like I would wake up and rehearse them. I would keep little little index cards of the lines that I didn't know yet to, to look at all the time. I carried my script book with me 24-7. I recorded my scripts in the beginning, right? Back then, I still use CDs, but now you can put it on your phone. And I would listen to it in my car of me repeating the scripts over and over. That level of fucking obsession. That's what it's going to take for you to master cold calling and this type of stuff is that level of, of obsession. If you're not willing to do that, good luck. Because anything that you want to become extremely proficient at, top 5%, top 1%, it takes that level of fucking dedication, dude. So much so that years later, even though I don't look at the scripts every day anymore, I can be in the middle of a role play. And when somebody gets stuck, the line fires out of my mouth exactly what they need to say next. Because that shit is so ingrained into my brain my subconscious mind and my neurology that I will never forget it, right? And no one else dedicates themselves to that level with this stuff. So these first three, the questions, the objections, and at least one response, if not three to four, you need to put pen to paper as often as possible every day, and you need to memorize it and spend at least an hour a day. Start that habit now and carry it with you through the end of the challenge. And in a month or two, you will be miles ahead of your competition and you'll be a completely different person because when you have this down even just the first two approaching a phone call and a door knock and a presentation is different you may not be i'm on tv confident superman confidence but you'll at least be like you know what let's do this i carried blank contracts listing and buyer contracts with me at all times which i recommend all of you do to further instill this confidence right? But because I knew these things, I said, dude, if I come across somebody who's ready, I may not be a, a rock star yet, but I know my stuff. If they have an objection, I have the answer. I know what questions I need to ask. We need to start there because if we start, start scripting and going over, you know, language patterns and all that, and you don't even know what to say, we're 10 steps ahead of where we need to be. And even if you're on here saying, I know my scripts, do you? If I'm like question five on this script, do you know it? Or do you have to think for like 10 seconds? I'm talking that level of proficiency. You're like, okay, this script has 12 questions. This one has 11. Like you even know that. That's the level of proficiency that I'm talking about. Because you can't humanize the script and make the edits, which we'll cover later this week, until you have it by the book memorized. Like the presentation, even if you don't use it word for word, if I tell you, do it word for word, 100% correct, you can still do it. That's, again, the level of proficiency that I'm talking about here with absolute confidence and certainty and just spot on delivery. You can do it word for word. Cool. Now you can join the club of, of knowing this stuff. Now, when you can do that, it's safe to say, if you have a reference of not being able to do that versus now you can, you know how much that bumped up your confidence. Because for a lot of people, confidence and certainty is like this esoteric subject to them. There's a mindset aspect of it. Absolutely. But there's this technical side. And this is the beginning for anybody. Anybody who told you otherwise is bullshitting you. This is what you have to do. How can somebody who comes into any sales industry not know what to say and have answers for customer questions and be confident? Why do you think I've been telling people for years, stop fucking paying for leads if you can't do this? You can't skip the hard work. 
How are you going to learn? I give you $10,000 to dump into marketing. Your phone rings. Hey, I saw your ad. I want to sell my house. What's your commission and how much can you sell it for? You better be ready for that. Can you handle that and navigate that conversation? Or are they going to hang up on you and move on to the next one? You just wasted money. So the homework for everybody, again, even if you know it, is to study those scripts, right? Now, once you get to level two, the next level is having three, four, five responses for everything, which is ultimately a level that everybody wants to get to. Why? When you do that, it allows you to do what's called looping. When you loop, you can always come back until the second, third, or fourth time it takes to knock that objection off, all right? So this is what happens typically. Somebody gets an objection. I don't like your commission, lower your commission, anything like that. The first mistake that people make, and this is what you have to do, right? You isolate. I know we're a little ahead here at a presentation, but a lot of this is applicable to calls too, right? I'll always tie it in for you. They don't isolate, right? So let's say even I'm on a phone call, if we're going to use something separate and someone says, I want to meet with you, Brian. However, I need to talk to my wife. You need to isolate that. Cool. So that's the last thing. Once the wife is on board, we're, we're fully ready to go, Jim. He says, yes. Effectively, I've just isolated the objection, meaning you've confirmed, Mr. Client, that this is the last thing that needs to be handled before we move forward and we, and we meet, correct? I'll say something else. I'll say, great. So it sounds like you're on board. You already want to meet with me. Is that right? I'm getting agreement. He's going to say yes. Great. Then let's do this. Let's do this. Great transition words that you can use. Let's do this. Okay. Again, just to reiterate, Jim, you said if your wife says yes, you're good to go already, right? When are you guys normally available, both of you? Now I'm closing his ass. But I have multiple responses for this. You'll see. Okay. Now I'm going to pause for you right there. Why am I going this way? Why am I going this way? One of the things that you need to learn as a cold caller and as a prospector is how to facilitate the decision-making process for a prospect. I just had somebody tell me they're interested. They want to meet with me. They just have to check with their wife. Totally valid. How can I make it easier? I'm not going to let them off the hook. He wants to meet with me. If I end that call without setting an appointment, I didn't do my job. That's the way I see it because I have a ready, willing, and able prospect who said he wants to meet with me. There's just one final barrier that I need to get out of the way, okay? Now, if two adults together, a couple, brothers, family, need each other's approval, that's fine. However, this isn't the final step. This is just to set up a meeting. So that's why I say things like, if they say yes, you're already on board, right? Great, let's do this. When are you going to talk to them? When are you normally both available? When are you normally both available? And they'll say, well, Wednesday evenings. Let's do this, man. Today is... Um, Tuesday. Is it safe to say between tomorrow evening and right now, which is 1228 on Tuesday, you'll have a be able to have a conversation or meet or talk to your wife? He's going to say yes. And let's do this. Let's pencil it in for tomorrow night. You talk to the wife. The wife says no, we'll scrap it. But if, she's, if she says yes, we already tentatively have something set. Fair? What am I doing? Am I guaranteeing a yes? No, absolutely not. But I can tell you more often than not, that works. Why? I'm making it easier for them to say yes. This is a compliance test. Instead of getting the full yes, I'm getting a half yes. I'm getting a tentative appointment yes versus just a full-blown everybody's on board yes, right? Part of the process of becoming a good cold caller and prospector is also being able to scale back and take little baby steps to get where it is that you want to go. Small compliance tests right? If I want you to take care of my dog and I've never asked you for anything before, it might be difficult for you to say yes. But if I've asked you to hold my keys or take this for a day or two and all these other things that lead up to then me asking you to take care of my dog, it'll be natural for you to say yes because you've done other things for me, right? What do we do? We don't ask for anything. And then out of nowhere, let me get this. Let's meet, right? You come in, you go from zero to a hundred too quickly. You need to learn to slowly get compliance from people, right? Which is why even if somebody says, call me back, what will I do before I continue the conversation? Great. What time? Is this the best number to reach you? So if I need to text you, I can do it. Great. Aside from the time that we're talking now, if I ever need to get you on the phone, like 100% and call you, when would I call you that I know 100% you're going to pick up the phone? Uh, eight in the morning. Okay, great. I'll write that down. And I'm going to keep talking to them. 
So even though they told me they can't talk, I'm getting all these details. Because now when I follow up, and this last example that I gave you, they're giving me all the information that I need. This is their cell phone. Call them at this time. Hey, if I call and 100%, I need you to pick up. When, what time would that be? 8 a.m. Perfect. Now I know, guess what? If I need to follow up with Jim, I'm going to call him at 8 a.m. Right? So when you guys have your follow-up system set up, even though your, your schedule may say follow-up from 12 to 1, you need to have three, three designated time windows of maybe 20 minutes where you follow up with clients and ask them, when's the best time to get a hold of you? Really early, lunchtime, midday, or in the evening? Facilitate. Become a facilitator. That's what you do. When are you available to meet? Weekdays or weekends? Weekends. Great. Saturday or Sunday? Saturday. Great. Afternoon or evening? What am I doing there? I'm also small chunking. I'm getting, like I told you earlier, small agreements to move forward instead of just, hey, let's meet Wednesday at five. If they say no, now you're already fighting that uphill battle of the no, right? Small steps to get me where it is that I want to go, okay? So we have the memorization aspect. We have those things that you wrote down that you need to work on, right? What are some other things that we can say now that we can build on this? If someone tells me not interested, one, one response that I say, that's exactly why we need to talk, okay? That's exactly why I called you today. That's exactly why we need to talk, all right? Now I'm gonna give you some follow-up things to say, but the reason that that works is this. Many of you have heard this, it's from NLP. It's called a pattern interrupt, right? If you're walking along, right? on the street and then suddenly somebody yells at you or somebody honks the horn or there's a car accident or anything like that, a helicopter goes by, you are in this pattern and those things will get you to look, you'll hear it, that's a pattern interrupt, it interrupts your pattern. If I'm talking to you like this and one of you just unmutes themselves and yells, that's a pattern interrupt because I'm lecturing and then something out of the blue comes up. A pattern interrupt can be also in a conversational flow, me giving a response or saying something that is out of the ordinary. That's also a pattern interrupt. Because when someone says not interested, what do people normally do? Okay, thank you for your time, bye. That would be the typical pattern. I want to interrupt that pattern. Now, what I say after that, when I say, that's exactly why, that's exactly why I called you today. That's exactly why we need to talk. Many ways you can go. I can say that and then just continue if I want, which is an option. Another one, because they're going to say, well, what do you mean? You can say, half the clients I worked with last year initially told me they weren't interested. So look, I'll make it fair. I have two or three questions for you, and then I'll leave. Or I have two or three questions for you, and I'll let you go. I'll be quick. Now, the odds of them continuing that conversation skyrocket versus you trying to fight not interested or come up with some crazy response. I want to interrupt their pattern of thought, pattern of action as much as possible. And sometimes that requires shock and awe. A shock and awe moment is that's exactly why I showed up today. Now, many of you might've heard that and you might think, oh, that's corny. No, it's not. You know why? Because it's effective. Now, if you say it and you think it's corny, it's not gonna work. But if you say it with some ump, it's gonna work. I can literally fucking say anything to people and they pay attention and they respond. Why? Because ultimately it's your delivery. It's your delivery. Once your delivery gets to that point, which first starts with this, then you have the freedom to do whatever you want. You'll still follow structure. I know you will, because all top level people do. But you'll have the freedom because you know how to deliver things in a certain way. If I look at any of you to your face and say, as an example, fuck you, with an aggressive tone, and I look serious, you're going to take it as an insult. If I go, ha, fuck you, man, and I smile, it's taken very lightheartedly. Why? Same words, different delivery, different result, different response, different interpretation, right? Follow me here. This is, this is the pattern interrupt. This is the pattern interrupt and the essence of it, okay? Me acknowledging not interested and sidestepping it and continuing my script, that's a pattern interrupt, right? Now, why would I do that and why would it work? Remember what I told you earlier, not interested in many cases is an unconscious response. So if somebody gives me an unconscious response and I sidestep it and I don't even really acknowledge it and I keep going, it's like you ushered it and let it go through and you can continue now. Versus somebody logically sitting there and telling you something because then they're going to say, what the hell, dude? I asked you a question or this and that, right? 
Next thing. Anytime somebody asks you a question, objection, especially on the phone. How many homes? Why are you calling me? Blah, blah, blah. This is, this is your response now. I'd write this one down too, and you can listen to another recording. It's a great question. Let me ask you this first, and then ask the first question on your script. And watch how you just swept that one away. Very rarely is somebody going to come back and ask you that first one. Now, if you're really a rock star, you'll let me ask you this first. You'll ask a couple questions, and you'll go back and answer that question for them. I do that sometimes. Oh, by the way, you said how many homes I've sold. After we set up a meeting, I'll go ahead and email you everything. And then continue your script. Now I just answered it for them, right? But that's more advanced. If you don't know that yet, you can wait and kind of keep that on your board as like a goal of something you can uh, aspire to do, right? Damn, it's already been 40 minutes. Jesus. So that that's the line. Great. That's a great question. Let me ask you this first and go, right? If they say how many homes, why are you calling me? What's your company? Whatever they ask you in the beginning, okay? Because I want to give you guys a few tools to just blow past this stuff. Initially, when you call, the first hurdle is that, getting past what's called initial resistance, which everybody gives you. Why? You're calling somebody, you're knocking on the door, you're interrupting their pattern. Anytime someone's pattern gets interrupted, unbeknownst to them, meaning it wasn't um, asked for, especially if they're like on task or doing something, it's never pleasant. That's why when I hear something like not interested or I don't have time, it's like, dude, you never have time. So when somebody tells me I don't have time, I say, we never have time, do we? And then I keep going. Oh, I'm not interested. Now? Never? When? You're not interested now? When are you going to be? See, I'm just throwing random responses now, which I recommend after you guys get comfortable, you play around with it because then you'll see it doesn't matter what you say. It's how you say it. So when I hear, again, I don't have time, we never have time. Logically, I know that. So why would I exit the conversation? Not interested. Think logically. You haven't even heard my name, what I have to offer. How do you know you're not interested? That's what my mind is saying. That's why I stick in there, right? What I told you in the beginning is key. You have to think through these things. Just like you wrote down those three objections that stall you the most, think, use this and say, where is it coming from? And then how can I devise some responses? And remember, they always have to be question-based. You either make a remark and present the next question or you answer their question with a question because as cliche as it is, and everybody knows this, the one who asks questions is the one who's in control. That's exactly what you have to do. And you know how you make it better? You ask more efficient questions, better questions, more powerful questions. That's how you do it. Always lead with questions. Whenever you're done saying something, as like a safety net, always ask another question. So I'm either going to answer somebody's question with a question or answer their question and then present the next question. Another reason that tie downs are thrown, if you guys know what a tie down is, some examples, does that make sense? Are you with me? Okay, cool, doesn't it? This lecture is cool, isn't it? All right, all, isn't it? All that stuff, those are tie downs. They get you to engage with me. But in essence, they're also a question. That's why sometimes you want to throw those in. It keeps people's attention, but it's also a way for you to answer something and then throw that if you don't have a question prepared yet to get them to respond. And once they respond, that gives you time to come up with the next question and continue the conversation because two dynamics are happening all the time. I don't know if you guys can see this. Boom, right? They have their dynamic, which is where they want to take the conversation, and you, where you want to take it. You take it from, if we're going to go beginning to end, hello? to appointment. They want to take it from hello to hanging up. And one of you is going to win. The one who's in control more, aka the one who's asking questions, is the one who's going to dictate that at the end of the day. Why? How many of you have ever gotten caught up where the prospect asks you a question, then you get stuck with them asking questions and you just answering, and then 30 seconds or a minute later, you're off the phone, they're done with you, they qualified you out, or it just doesn't end the way that you want. Why? They don't know where to take it. And their mind, they don't know how to properly qualify you. What do they ask? How old are you? How long have you been in the business? How many homes have you sold? Where's your office? The questions that they believe are the proper ones to qualify you, which we all know are incorrect. So if you allow that, you're going to allow that person to talk themselves out of the sale. Okay? This is where when you hear things like the customer is always right, you need to really think about it. Is the customer always right? If they don't know what they're doing, what they're talking about, 
how can they possibly be right in this scenario? You see? So a lot of the stuff that's given and a lot of stuff that I'm going to teach this week too is counterintuitive and goes against conventional thinking many times. Just like if somebody's loud with you on the phone, very basic, you want to be loud as well. If you're soft-spoken and you apologize, they're going to run over you. They're not going to have any respect for you and they're going to move on because subconsciously you trigger to them that you're weak and they don't want to deal with you. All right. Now, again, as the weeks, uh, as the days go on, I mean, I'm going to be covering more of this stuff specifically, and I'm just giving you little, little highlights at the moment. But these are some of the basic things that, again, are counterintuitive. So even if your gut tells you don't follow a script or that's not me or this and that, you need to try something new because what you think is going to work doesn't in many cases. All of this used to be new to me and foreign, meaning I'm scratching my head like, is this really going to work? And then I started doing it. And as I got good, I was getting crazy results. And I was like, man, it goes against what people think, but it works, which is what I want. So now you want to put your minds together because we're going to finish soon. I'll open up the Q&A and you want to start specifically coming up with responses. This is going to be your homework for tomorrow, right? Come up with some responses for these objections or stalls, whatever it is that bother you a little bit, okay? Because what I'm going to have you do is by the end of tonight, I'm going to have you pick one of those stalls or objections and give a few of the responses that you came up with, right? Because then I can go in there, we can have a dialogue and I can take a look. Other people can learn from it. And again, there's no right or wrong answers here. Just use some of the technology and some of the teachings today to say, okay, I want to make sure I, I end it with a question. I want to do some research to make sure I frame it properly, right? Use some of those things, but I want you with your own mind to start doing it. That way it's not just me spoon feeding you, right? Because the more you can do that, the more you make yourself independent in regards of thought and conceptual thinking so you can apply it to these fields. You want to get to the point where a lot of the material that you get, you assimilate, but then you, you now manifest it and use it your own way. And it, it has that personal touch to it and spin. This is why originally I started experimenting like that local agent example that I gave you. I didn't hear that from anybody. I didn't learn it. I applied my own thinking to devise it. And I have a million Right. Anybody who's here who's part of the team or my coaching knows I've given a ton of stuff way more in detail in regards to that stuff. But that was that was here. I didn't get that from a book. I got some general concepts from the book, ran it through here, assimilated into my mind. Then with that technology, I use my own process now to create something new. That's what you have to do. This is how you ultimately personalize these things. So you're not just repeating what I said or what the next guy said, because then you're just a carbon copy of them and you're not as effective. You need to put in your own thinking and creativity into it because then now it becomes your own way because everybody's different here, right? Naturally, we're all going to be different from a personality standpoint. Maybe I'm a lot more blunt than some of you. That's fine. But with your own way and your own technique and your own creativity, you can come up, come up with responses that for you are more dear to you. That's more your style. You can take something that I teach as an example and bring it through and assimilate it into your style and make the small tweaks even that make it you and uniquely you. That's what you want. That's ultimately when you get to a higher level of sales. You can apply what all the top dogs or teachers that you've designated in your life have taught you, but in your own way. So we can listen and be like, oh yeah, that's that technique, but good job. You did it your own way. You didn't just fucking copy what I said. You made it even better. You made it yours, right? Now you have something unique. This is why I can get on the phone with the prospect and the conversation that we have stands out to them. At the very least, whether they do business with me or not, or talk to 20 other people or 10, they'll remember me. They always do because I bring things to the table, speak a certain way, or bring up relevant topics that they've heard from other agents in such a different and unique way that it sticks. Right? But again, that requires your process. That requires you putting pen to paper and doing these things. Not just me giving you 20 examples. Like I gave you some for not interested in that stuff. And those are great. You can use them. But what are you going to do now? How are you going to evolve it? How are you going to change it? Okay. So uh, what I want to do now is open it up for like five or 10 minutes of Q&A. If you guys have questions, it could be related, non-related. It's completely up to you. Okay. Go ahead. Unmute yourselves. Type whatever you prefer. Hey, BC. Uh, question for you. So when we go when we call call and people ask us or basically they said the, the wrong number, 
I mean, we get a lot of them, but I do want to be able to hook those clients because that's still a person on the phone. What's the best way to go around that? Great question, man. When someone says wrong number, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, right? Since I have you, then ask them whatever you want to ask them. Since I have you, do you know anyone who's looking to buy or sell? Uh, no, I don't know anybody. Okay, cool. I just turned that into a contact. Whatever it is that you're pitching, selling, promoting, apologize because, you know, it's genuine. Hey, you know what? I messed up. Sorry. My bad. Didn't mean to bother you. By the way, since I have you, who do you know that wants to buy or sell? Who do you know who's interested in blah, 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 right? By the way, I'm a car salesman. You know anyone looking to buy a car? Throw your shot. At that point, it's a Hail Mary anyway because it's a wrong number. So as long as you acknowledge it and ask them, you're at least turning it into a contact. And that's all you can really do. Brian? Yeah, what's up? Yeah, I have a question. Um, so like uh, this is more related to door knocking, but I guess it goes into this too. Mm -hmm. uh, I noticed that when we're door knocking um, that I have a hard time sometimes getting their information from them. Okay. Um, like out of a hundred doors that we knocked on, we got like two people to give us their email and their phone number. So uh, do you have any kind of guidance for that? Sure. I'll give you some dialogues. Um, how many people do you think you talked to out of the hundred doors that you knocked on? Um, probably 25 really. Okay. So just starting out. Qualified. Yeah. 20, 25. If you got two people's information, that's not bad at all. Okay. okay. So that's, that's already a good baseline because when I started, I would struggle to get that too. And I already felt like I was pretty decent. So don't look at that and say, oh man, like we're really bad. You just need to get a little smoother. So it's all in the setup, right? And Andrew, I saw that you asked about the recordings. They're in the group. I already put the first day in there. And this one will be there too. So when you guys door knock, right, or you're on the phone and you want to exchange information, there's a couple dialogues that you can use, but really you want to keep it simple. Okay. So what I like to do is set it up. All right. Now, the way I set it up is if you really want to be a badass at the doors and, and you want to drop people's resistance, I pretend that I'm leaving to get them to relax. So I'll say, at the end, by the way, again, my name was Brian. What was yours? I'll get a handshake or something. They'll tell me, oh, my name was uh, Bob. Great. Then I'll, I'll walk away. This is more advanced though. So if you can't do this first part and you don't feel comfortable with it, don't do it. But I'd walk away. And then after a step or two, I'm like, oh, I almost forgot. And I'll turn back around. By the way, I forgot to ask you, if you do ever need anything, do you have a go-to realtor? Right? Most people will say no. Or they'll say, well, I know somebody. If they say they know somebody, it doesn't mean that's their go-to realtor, okay? I ask specifically, do you have a go-to realtor, okay? So whether they say yes or no, I'm still going for it, right? But if they say no, say, great. So why don't we do this? Why don't we exchange information and stay in touch? Do you have a business card, okay? Now, if you don't have a business card, that's fine, but still ask them. Me, I usually keep a few for these moments. So when I say, do you have a business card? I pull mine out, right? Almost like a ninja. I go and I hand it to them. Now, a lot of people have business cards and guess what? They don't really hand them out much. So if they do, they're going to be like, oh yeah, I have one. Hold on. It's in the house. And they'll go in and get it. Well, what does a business card have? Your cell phone, their email and all the stuff that you need. So you're set, right? Now, if they don't, you can hand it to them and say, no worries. I'll do this. I'll text you my information. So you have it. Okay. Now pause. So two things you can do here. When you say that, you can either look down and say, great. So the number is fill in the area code that you're in. So here I'm in Miami. So the number is 305. And look down at your phone. Okay. They'll finish it for you. Or you can say, great. Open up your phone and hand it to them. All right. Those two the dynamic there that makes that work is you're being assumptive. That's what the assumptiveness is. When they say you need to be assumptive and assume the sale, that's what that is. I'm taking the step. I'm not saying, oh, is it okay if I get your number? Like if you guys have ever gotten scripts that say, um, would it offend you if I could get your number? Like trash that. That's like the worst thing you can say in a sales situation because you're literally apologizing for asking for somebody's number. You want an agent representing you to sell your house who apologizes I'm so sorry, but we, you know, we, we can't do the repairs for you, right? Like it's pathetic. 
right? That attitude doesn't win in life. In the business world, you need to be assertive, you need to be assumptive, and you need to make it happen, all right? So these moves can be considered by many people bold, but it's the right thing to do. And if you're comfortable doing it, it doesn't make people feel uncomfortable. I do this like taking candy from a baby. And will you get everybody's info? Maybe not, but you're going to get the vast majority. I can guarantee you that move I gave you will work on eight or nine out of 10 people for sure. So awesome. 25, if you got to the point in that conversation where you did that, probably at least 20 of them would give you their information. Now, awesome. for some people who say, well, I don't want to give my information. The wrong thing to do is give up, right? What you want to do is say, great. You know what? I get it. You, I'm not going to spam you. Is that your fear? Look, I'm not going to spam you. I'll tell you this. Right? If at any point after giving my giving uh, me your information, you feel like you're spammed, let me know and I'll take you off all of our systems and you'll never hear from us again. Fair? And they're going to say yes. And then hand them the phone again or start over and say, okay, it was 305, blah, blah, blah. After you get the number, ask them for the email because the second sale, meaning the second thing you ask is normally a lot easier than the first and they'll give you their, their email too. Awesome. Thank you. Cool. You're welcome. <clears throat> Oh, also one more question. I'm sorry. Uh, sure. Do you put everybody on your CRM uh, when you're cold calling? If you get their data and stuff, do you automatically put them on the CRM? So me with mine, I have criteria. If I can get a full name, address, email, and cell phone, that qualifies them to be in the database. Now, my personal database is split up depending on if it's a lead or not, if we've done business or not, how well I know them. So we have two categories, people that we've done business with, or that we're on a first name basis that I've known for a long time, other people I've worked with in the past outside of my industry, people that I have a good connection or bond with go into my first group. The second group typically is people that I meet cold calling, door knocking, open houses, um, networking events, right? Those people go in the, the second category. So depending on what category people are in, they're going to be contacted more frequently. So that first group, I'm going to contact them more frequently and email them more and text them more than the second group, right? Now, how you guys build your database is up to you. Just make sure that you start with first, what a definition is of a lead for you to have your lead follow-up system, and then tie that into your database system, right? Just to give you guys a general outline, for us, a lead is somebody who's gonna sell in 30 days or less or buy or invest in 30 days or less. That makes you a lead. That's separate from our database. So the leads, we have the follow-up system, right? Now, if somebody's more than 30 days out, but less than a year, they go into that first category, right? Now, if they're more than a year out, they're going to buy or sell in more than a year, they go into the second category, right? So all that stuff ties together. So as people go down that timeline, now they're a year away, boom, we put them in the first group. Now they're 30 days away, boom, we put them into the lead follow-up system. So you guys have to make sure that everything ties together so it's efficient with your system, right? Now, how you guys go doing it, depending on what coaching you're with or whatever, they're going to give you different stuff. That's just the system that we use team-wide and it works uh, very effectively. Thank you. You're welcome. CRM, KV Core, Trey, KV Core. You get it uh, as part of your tech fee when you join EXP. Highly recommend KV Core. It's amazing. It is amazing. Hey, Brian, uh, <clears throat> this is John here. Uh, one objection I... I've been getting a lot for uh, for sub owners is uh I've sold houses before I know what I'm doing I don't need a realtor cool and this is on the phone or at the meeting on the phone cool so how do you typically respond to that do you go into an objection handler how do you handle it you don't have to give me all the details but is that typically what you do so typically what I do is I tell them okay, I said okay sounds good so if in a two to three weeks you're unable to get sold on your own would you consider meeting me to potentially look at some other options Okay, now, um, and, and how is that line working out for you? Uh, well, I mean, if they if they give me that one, most of the time they're going to be like, yeah, I'll let you know. And, uh, you, know, I, you know, it's hard to follow up with them or anything after cool. that. Of course, because you left it at that. What you want to do, and, and this is what you guys need to realize, right? And it's a great question, by the way, bro. Whenever you guys get any kind of objection like that or stall from people in the beginning of a conversation, the best thing you can do is acknowledge it and then keep keep going, right? It might not feel right, but in most cases, they'll keep talking to you. So let me give you an example. I talk to them, they're like, oh, Brian, you know, I've sold houses before, I know what I'm doing. Um, you know, I don't need a realtor. Great, great. Now, uh, I wasn't calling actually to list your house right now. Anyways, I found you on Zillow. Are you 
marketing besides Zillow? What are you doing to market the home? And they'll tell me, oh, I'm on Zillow or I'm on this. Okay, great. Have you gotten any action on the property yet? Mm. Oh, I've gotten people. I want to just continue the conversation as much as possible, right? Because when I'm asking those questions, I'm not going for the appointment yet, right? The okay. best thing you guys can do is acknowledge what they said and keep moving forward. So I don't need a realtor yet. Great. Will you explore it in two or three weeks? If you don't get it sold, will you possibly interview me? Fantastic. By the way, I found you on Zillow. Are you doing any other marketing methods for the property? Mm, okay. Have you gotten any offers yet? Well, have you thought about this, Mr. Seller, right? Are you aware of the market that we're in? Cool. And you've, and you just put it up. So it's safe to say that by tonight, you should have some offers the way the market is, right? You mind if I check in with you tonight to see if you got an offer? Right. I'm again, I'm giving you different stuff you can say. Yeah. Cause you can even now say, cause typically if I put a home up for sale, I mean, I already have a ton of showings booked within an hour and we probably have an offer within 24 hours, like a strong offer. So is it yeah. cool if I check in with you, uh, check in with you tonight to make sure you have an offer or if you've gotten offers, would that be okay with you? Mm, yeah. I like that. See, one. like I'm, I'm, I'm being like a little bit more aggressive, but I'm playing with it. Like I don't let that thing stop me. Why? Because if we apply what I said in the beginning, logically, a FISBO, even if they know what they're doing, still can't do what we can do. Otherwise, guys, the internet has been out for how long now? 25, 30 years? Our asses would have been long gone if we weren't worth the money, right? Just from a marketing standpoint, nine out of 10, if you guys don't know this stuff, write it down. Nine out of 10 people, in some markets, it's like 85 out of 100. So it might be eight out of 10. Qualified, ready, willing, and able buyers, meaning qualified, not window shoppers. Qualified buyers are working with us. Are we on fucking Zillow looking at Fizbos? No. And that's a last ditch effort. Even then, what do we do if we have a buyer who's interested in a Fizbo? You call people like me and you're like, fuck, dude, I have a buyer who wants to fucking buy the Fizbo. I don't want to do this. What do I do? You're already not looking forward to it. So it kind of makes it confrontational. Right. So not only from a marketing standpoint, do they not get the exposure, even if they go on the MLS, we're looking at that house like, yo, I'm putting that shit at the bottom of the list. Right. Now, these are conversations I can have with Fizbo's, too, if they bring that up. Another angle you can use, too. And this is just the truth is because a Fizbo selling their own asset, they're emotionally invested. Right. We already meet with sellers and they're like, yo, my house is worth fucking 50,000 more because I put in that shed. And we know it's like, dude, that shed, number one, isn't even that nice, but that doesn't add 50,000. You think it adds 50,000, but the next buyer who's going to take it right out doesn't think it's worth even 10,000 or 5,000, right? So you become emotionally invested. This is why if you guys have ever negotiated with Fizbos, I have with a ton, it's like they take everything fucking personal. And I would tell them, this is exactly why you needed an agent because you think I'm attacking you. I'm negotiating. I told you from the get-go, you didn't want to negotiate against me. And now look. Right. Another tactic I use, especially John, to the people who say, I know what I'm doing. Um, I go for a price reduction on the phone. So I say, look, you're asking 500. What if I brought you a cash offer tomorrow for 485? Close in one week. No inspections, no contingencies, no appraisal. If he even skips for a second and he's like, uh, whatever he says, uh, I would look at it. I would say, Mr. Fisbo. I just got you to consider a $15,000 price reduction after talking to you on the phone for 10 seconds. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now I'm bringing that up to you because this is what we do. We negotiate. Now you brought up, you know what you're doing. Is it about selling it yourself or is it about making the most money from the sale? All right. I just completely flipped that All right now. If he gets offended at me saying that my like, dude, this is business. It's not personal. Yeah. You want to make the most money, right? So whether it's you representing the house, me, another agent, you want to make sure that you walk away with the most money in your pocket after any fee, commissions, no commissions. You just want to take the most money. Is that right? Great. That's the angle that I'm coming from. It's not about my commission or fees. It's about you walking away with the most money, whether you use a realtor or not, because you don't care at the end of the day, if you walk away with the most money, is that right? You see now, I'm communicating things that'll hit them emotionally, guys. But what am I saying? I'm saying logical things. I'm just communicating it a certain way to them. Now, many of you know what I'm saying. It's just in the heat of the moment, you might not say it because you think it's too much or it might offend them, 
Remember what I told you in the beginning, sometimes you have to take the whole sale aspect out of it, out of your mind, because then you, you drop the whole, right? I'm willing. This is why. This is what will separate you. I'm willing to maybe push the line a little bit too much, then not push that line at all. The same thinking you guys have to apply to following up with leads. How many of you have lost leads because you didn't follow up enough? Everybody, right? How many of you have lost leads from following up too much? Well, I have, but I did it on purpose, right? I would much rather lose a lead from following up too much than not following up enough. And that same line of thinking is what's stopping you from using these lines on people because you're afraid, you're afraid to push that, that limit, but you need to find out where that limit is. Otherwise, you will never be that confident, bold salesman. You guys think that the version of you who's selling 50 homes a year is afraid to say something to a prospect? No. But maybe then you've had the experience. So now you have the balls to say it, but you need to start now. You see what I'm saying? So this stuff is a building process, but these are just some of the, the dialogues that you guys can work with. I know uh, that was a long-winded answer, John, but this is the stuff that you guys have to really start dissecting because... When you watch the recording again and you listen to what I'm saying, I'm not saying anything special. I'm just saying it at the right time, a certain way. And that's what you guys have to learn. Okay. Let's see. I'll take uh, like one or two more questions. If not, um, if I don't answer your question on this call, just repost it in the group guys and I'll get to it. Do you text if they don't pick up? Sure. I'll just text the first question on the script. Uh, Harold, I can't see your whole name yet, Harold. Keep it simple. Whatever the first question is that you're going to ask, ask if it's still available and then, you know, go right into your script. But if you guys are going to text people, I would recommend that you either do voice messages or you send a video. That's much more effective than just typing text because people can uh, can um, misconstrue text and it's easy to not respond to a text versus sending a video. Hey, BC, really quick. Can you hear me? Yeah. What's up? Um, what are some resources that you're using right now to, or that your team's utilizing to just stay up to date with like the market? Uh, we do a lot of stuff like hyper local. There's a guy out here, his name's uh, Ryan Lundquist for Sacramento. He's an appraiser. Um, so I take a look, a look at a lot of his like hyper local stats, but what else are you guys utilizing to keep yourself up to date? So that way you can keep your clients informed. Cause a lot of the stuff I get right now and maybe others are, especially working with buyers or even sellers is, oh man, the market's crazy. You know, we're waiting for prices to go down, da 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 da. Uh, if I were to sell, I'd just be in the same market as everyone else, and I don't want to move laterally, et cetera, et cetera. And I, I know the business, the economics of it, man. If you got equity in it, obviously you'll have a bigger down payment, blah, 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 yeah. blah. But what yeah. are you guys utilizing to stay one up to date? And how are you overcoming like those uh, high market objections? Yeah, man. I mean, that, that that's that's a multiple piece thing. Personally, um, you know, every once in a while I'm reading particular articles and, and seeing stuff that comes out. Like if you guys subscribe to any kind of business magazines or just gen any general information from like business insider and stuff like that, I'll, I'll skim through that stuff and take a look at it from an, like an economy standpoint. But as far as the local stuff and specifically for clients and that kind of stuff, our lenders are great. So our lenders here in Florida, all the other regions that we work in, in California, they're always emailing us stuff when something changes, when there's an update about rates and, and, and the banks and the Federal Reserve and all that stuff. And that's really for us, like our go-to resources, our lenders, because they send us everything that's pertinent to what people are hearing like on the news. And it's super right. effective because it's those little sound bites that people hear on the news, but just written in article form. So when we right. get it, we can read it, you know, and we'll kind of recap it like once a week. That way, when people are talking to people, they know. Um, now, in regards to the question about the market, dude, I always tell agents, especially, dude, if somebody if somebody really isn't committed yet or like has decided I really want to move, all that right. shit's going to come up. Oh, well, the market, oh, this and that. And you could sit there and philosophize with them and, and handle everything. But because mm -hmm. they're not like, OK, I'm ready to move. They're going to come mm -hmm. up with the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. Right. So I think that's more just navigating to see who's serious and who's not. And I think you mentioned you've been in the business a little bit longer now. As you get more years under your belt, you're going to be able to just slice through to know who's ready and who's not. I would just recommend have some conversations with them, bro. But if they keep giving you the same stuff and walking you in circles, they're just not ready yet. Right. So keep them at gotcha. a distance. Don't let them go. Keep them at a distance and check in with them. But don't try to sit there and wrestle with them. Right. Because right. I've done that, bro. I've been on the phone with people for an hour or two and then it doesn't get anywhere. And I hang up and I'm like, why the fuck did I just waste my time? 
Right. So really find that, that pain and pleasure with them and see if they are motivated. And if they are, then I can utilize, if that objection does come up, I can't like make it logical to them based on their situation. But if they're not at that motivational point to pull the trigger, regardless, like how you said, decipher in between there through the conversation, if they are pursue it, if not use the CRM to drip on them and follow up. Yeah. Cause I tell people all, all the time, and this is like a little snippet I use that you guys can use too. I say, look, we have two things we have to navigate, Mr. Client, your expectations and what you want to do and your motivation and then the market conditions, right? And, and what the market says. And I tell them, just so you know, straight up, it, they're never both going to be perfect. You're never going to have exactly the right moment, perfect time, like in the fucking movies. And then the market conditions are perfect and exactly what you want. Right. We're right. going to have to make some sort of compromise, just like a first time home buyer can come in with 30 things on their for sure list. I need all of these. It's going to be a one in a million to find that house. Some compromise has to be made. Right. Mm -hmm. And th that's what I present to people. It's like, look, it's never going to be perfect. Anybody right. selling you that dream is just blowing smoke up your ass. Right. So we need to figure out between me and you, what are you willing to compromise in order to remedy the situation and move forward? Or are there so many compromises in your situation that we have to wait? That's what we have to figure out. Gotcha. Now, if we attack that conversation, it's about that. And we can get more into detail. But really, all that really is going to do is give me their motivation, you know? Got you, got you. Appreciate it, my man. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Cool. All right, guys. I'm going to end it here since we went way over. But uh, if I miss your question, post it in the group and I'll either make a video or I will... Um, answer it personally for you. Okay.